Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to the first Dogcast Radio of 2020. In today's podcast, we'll have advice for anyone with a dog who's nervous of the vet. It all comes down to choice and with Nibbler, what we did was um, basically use the idea of, of, of a chin rest or a finger because he's got a little tiny, tiny chin. And and so we taught him a duration chin rest. So if I put my finger out and he popped his chin on it, then he would get treats. Really, really yummy treats. But first, we're going to the movies. Wendy Mitchell has written a charming book called Citizen Canine, Dogs in the Movies. I wanted to know what had inspired her. One particular doggy actor or a love of dogs in general? I think it's a love of dogs that really inspired all this. And, you know, I've been writing about films for, gosh, 20 years now. Um, And usually do sort of quite serious film journalism about how films are financed and tax breaks and and things like that. And, the uh, you know, producing films and things like that. Um, But even when I was working as an editor of quite a serious film business magazine, Anytime I had the chance to illustrate a story with sort of a dog film, <laughs> I would say, oh, let's put in that picture of, you know, Lassie. Or, and the sort of photo editor used to sort of laugh at me. And I'm like, gosh, I really am kind of obsessed with this. Um, and I was quite surprised that nobody had ever done a book like this because I just felt like there's got to be other people like me who love dogs, who love movies. And I just, you know, I, I find myself so emotional at dog movies. Um, yes. You know, if a person dies, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but if a dog dies, you know, I'm in floods of tears. And I yes. thought, yeah, there must be other people like that. Yeah. And so, so there was that. But then the, the second thing was, um, it was about 15 years ago. I was at a, a sort of film business uh, show in L.A. And um, this was when there was a new Lassie adaptation coming out. Mm. And at this sort of trade show, they bought, brought in this dog called Hey Hey, of course, a collie, um, who was descended from Pal, the original Lassie. Oh, wow. So I met this beautiful dog that was sort of promoting this movie. And it was just, I mean, just one of the most gorgeous dogs I've ever seen and just so well-trained and put its little paw on my knee like he was taught to. And I sort of (laughs) fell in love and that started me thinking, yeah, who are these dogs <laughs> in the movies? I mean, just, uh, yeah, I just fell in love with that dog in one minute. And, um, yeah, so when I thought about the book, I, I wanted to also find out a little bit about the real dogs mm. behind these famous roles. Yes, yeah. Because as you say, Lassie, yeah, we think of Lassie as just Lassie. But uh, yeah. the character was played by a succession of dogs, wasn't it? Yes. Um, usually, then, and Lassie, um, you know, we should say right away that should have been called Laddie, really, because this was a male dog. Um, mm. And that they cast a male dog because their coats look healthier in the summer when they were shooting. So there was a male dog named Pal, who was the first Lassie. Um, the fur was long enough to hide Pal's manhood, <laughs> shall we say, yes. um, in crucial scenes. But, you know, a very talented dog. And then they bred that dog and, you know, the pal's descendants, you know, are still around today. Like I said, this this dog, Hey Hey, that I met a decade ago is descended from pal. And I think that's pretty special as well. Yes, yes. But of course, obviously, if a dog has what it takes to make it in the movie and it's got the, mm. the talent and, it, and the trainability and, and the, you know, mm. let's face it, the confidence to cope with that environment. It makes right. sense to sort of that its descendants may well have those those um traits. Those traits. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Passed along in the family, you hope. Yeah. Yeah, because like you say, it, you know, not every dog can make it in the movies. You know, my the Dotsund I grew up with, Snickers, would just be looking for scraps by craft services table, you know. <laughs> yes. Um but some dogs, you know, don't mind being around lots of people. They don't mind that sort of hive of activity, the lights, the cameras. Um in fact they might thrive on, you know, getting attention from so many people. Um, and then, like you said, trainability, you know, some, some breeds are more trainable than others. We know this, um, or to do certain things. Um, you know, we see a lot of terriers in the movies and they're quite trainable to do the kinds of things that, that you need to do on a film set. 
Yes. Yeah. And I imagine they would have the sort of the self-reliance to go, you know, I'm fine here. This is, I can take this in my stride. But maybe that there's a message in that to us because terriers sort of have a reputation as being a little bit, you know, maybe dynamic and perhaps not, not the easiest to train. But there, there again, that word easiest to train. Do we want, you know, mm. is, is that what we're looking for? An easier dog to train? Or do we want to understand our dog and know how to motivate, motivate them? And clearly, the, the trainers who are working with them in the movies yeah. have got that sussed, haven't they got that sorted? Oh, my gosh. The trainers are just amazing. I interviewed um, just a few for the book, and I'm just sort of amazed at what they can do with the animals, how they understand the psychology of, of the animals. Um, uh, yeah, what motivates each dog, and each mm -hmm. dog is going to be different, and they treat each dog. They talk about each dog, even a dog from 20 years ago. You know, a trainer would be talking about, oh, this dog liked to do this. Yeah. And he liked, you know, this kind of reward, or he liked being around these kind of people. Um so, I mean, hats off to the trainers. I mean, that's why I also tried to sort of mention some of the trainers in the book, because clearly the dogs don't do this on their own. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of these trainers are just such experts in, in their field. And, and also what I got from talking to them, you know, they of course, they're very professional. They see this as a job. But my God, they love these dogs. They yes. love talking about these old, <laughs> their old former dogs. And, oh, this was such a sweet girl. And this one did this. Um, so there was a real love that comes through. You know, it's not just a cold, um, you know, day at the office for yes. them. You know, they love these animals. Um, and that really came through to me as well. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely to hear. That's, that's mm. great, because you do want somebody working with them who wants the best for that animal. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. And a lot of times they live, you know, these animals live with them on their properties. You know, they're not sort of a facility somewhere else. They're, you know, they're loved. They're sort of members of the family as well as being a show dog. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. And mm. I mean, you hit the nail, the, the nail on the head with the word motivation because that's, that's the, the key to good training, isn't it? You know, know what mm. motivates the dog and give them that when they've done what they, what you want them to do. Yeah, and that could be a toy. I mean, on film sets, from what I've talked to people, it's re rewards are quite often treats yes. or, you know, food-based, um, and that makes sense. Um, uh, dogs, But also, you know, I think a lot of dogs want to please their trainer yes. or please, you know, whoever they're on set with. Um, there was a great story um, in the film Beginners, uh, which stars Ewan McGregor and mm. um, a great little terrier. And there became a point that the trainer wasn't even in the room when it was you and the dog because they had bonded so much and they could sort of do it on their own. That dog wanted to please you and, you know, not oh. just his trainer. So that just, yeah, makes my heart melt. Yes. And, you know, you yeah. and loved the dog and used to go for walks with the dog even after the film had finished shooting. He would go see, visit the dog again. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I think they're all rewarded by pleasing people, maybe a little, you know, treat um or a little you know dog food smeared on somebody's face to lick you know that might not hurt too <laughs> absolutely absolutely um so i mean there's some iconic um mm. dog roles that you cover in this book and it's and it's, it's delightful tell me about toto in the wizard of oz oh well you know can you even imagine the wizard of oz without toto you can't can you, you? can't no. no um and you know re-watching the film with sort of you know, I sort of went back and watched all the, the films in the book again, sort of with a new eye on them. And, you know, with Wizard of Oz, it's sort of like Toto is the key that's holding, you know, Toto's the reason she ends up, um, you mm -hmm. know, in Wizardland, and Toto's the reason she can get home. And, you know, Toto, Toto plays a pivotal role. It's not just, you know, a cute little thing at her feet. So Toto was played by a dog called Terry, that was a Cairn Terrier. And some said, actually, the disposition of this dog wasn't quite as sort of as you would think. It got scared of the wind machines mm. on the set and got scared of the steam coming out of the Ten Man's hat. Oh. Um, but, a, you know, I think a great little actor and went on to do a lot of other show work. Um, and in fact... I think his owner and trainer renamed him Toto just because, oh. you know, <laughs> Terry, yeah, you've become famous for being Toto. Let's just call you Toto. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a great one. Oh, yeah. And didn't he adopt the dog? It was a rescue dog. And that that's another 
good point mm. that you know it's not that sometimes yeah, we talked about lassie's descendants being bred mm. for their their role but it's it's not it, they don't have to be bred for that role this ability to cope and to be trained and to work in this environment exists in you know lots and lots of dogs isn't it yeah no i that's one thing when i was doing my research i was really pleasantly surprised to learn that a lot of these dogs were rescue dogs mm-hmm. that became these famous movie stars, you know, quite many, dozens of them. So, yeah, you don't have to have a sort of fine pedigree, you know, starting with Charlie Chaplin and A Dog's Life. He was auditioning all kinds of like, you know, pristine, pampered studio dogs, he said. And then he found this sort of mutt that he loved. And that was the best one for the role. Oh. And, you know, look at Benji, one of the most famous dogs of all time. And Benji was a sort of mutt rescue that just really was the right kind of dog for the film. So, yeah, I mean, I I hope that, you know, people read the book and are inspired to adopt rescue dogs. Um, And I've been encouraged to see, you know, quite a few filmmakers will have a sort of line at the end of the the film saying, you know, so-and-so was a rescue dog, you know, look at your local animal shelter. So I think that's really great. Um, Yeah, rescue dogs can be just as great, if not greater than some of the sort of prized purebred dogs as well. Yeah. I guess as well, you know, the dog that you have that's sitting in your house, you know, you can train that dog. You can, you know, and, and I've done um, articles on this because some people Mm. will say to me, oh, not my dog, my dog's stupid. And I always, I try and resist, but I always get into the argument of, no, they're they're not stupid. You just haven't learned how to motivate them. Just what we've been talking about, motivation. Yeah. And, and it's no, 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 my dog's stupid. And you think, no, this very, you know, I can almost guarantee that if we found the right motivation, that dog, you know, the sky's the limit with what you can get them to do. And I've even worked with trainers and owners who they haven't, you know, they haven't necessarily used the word stupid. They've said, I've reached a point in the training where I'm not making any progress. I, I can't mm. tell them, you know, what I want to tell them. But when you get a trainer with them, it's like magic. Because they, you know, they look at what the dog, they get to know the dog a bit and they, they use lots of enthusiasm, work with that dog. And, you know, whatever dog is sitting in your house, you can have fun. You can have some of that fun of the movies. You, know, you can get them to do the some of the behaviours. You can enjoy that yeah, for yourself, I, can't you? Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, I think, you know, some some of the things that dogs do in the movies are quite simple. It just looks kind of special when it's on camera, but it yes. might just be rolling over or putting a paw over your face or... And I do think, you know, almost any dog can do those kinds of simple tasks. Like you said, it's all about understanding that dog, maybe sort of taking a fresh approach. What, yeah, what's motivating them? You know, what would it take to get my dog to roll over? Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, all, a lot of dogs out there have the potential to, to do some of these tricks that we see in the films. I mean, of course, there are some dogs that are just really special. I mean, if we look back in Hollywood history, a dog like Ren Ten Ten, you can go on YouTube and see footage of Ren Ten Ten running up a tree. Now, no dog I've ever owned would be able to do that. Yes. <laughs> so I think some dogs are special to do these like crazy tricks. But, you know, some basic stuff, I think almost any dog has the potential to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And again, work with, you know, if your dog happens to be able to run up a tree, okay. <laughs> That's great. great. You can work yeah. with that. But work to your dog's strengths. Definitely. Mm. Um, we, we've talked about sort of, you know, the fact that somebody, if, if if a person dies in a movie, it's kind of, oh, that's sad. But if a dog dies in a movie, it's like, mm. oh my goodness, pass me the tissues. I'm, I'm, I'm in bits. Um, a, a film that really, really made me cry was Marley and Me. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that, but that was... <sighs> That was a, a big role to play, wasn't it, Marley? Gosh. Yeah, no, I think I, you know, as far as like artistic cinema goes, Marley and Me might not be 10 out of 10, but as far as dog movies go, I think it's one of the best because I think it really shows how dogs, even naughty ones, become part of the family. Mm. And, you know, you see this family sort of growing with this dog that, you know, the dog is with them, everything, and then it's, when they're old and going to leave them, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Um, and I think we can all relate to that. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that's a tough one. I mean, I think my dog Skip is another one that, oh, my gosh, I think I cry even more at that one. Um, and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's a little terrier. Maybe it's, you know, his owner, this boy, 
grows up and goes off to college and leaves Skip there on the bed curled up. Oh, my gosh, it just gets me every time. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we're sort of projecting those emotions that we all understand of, yes. of loss. Um, and I think we can do that, especially with a dog, because, you know, if it's a person, we, you know, you've got a very specific character and person there. But with a dog, you can project yes. um, your own emotions and, and experiences onto that dog. And, oh, my gosh, yeah, I cried a lot while yes. researching this book. <laughs> I bet. Um, my husband had to bring in the tissues quite <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember going to see Eight Below, which was about huskies, mm. you know, huskies and sort of left in the snow, and um, mm-hmm. and we we knew it was going to be emotional. And my daughter was a, I don't, I can't remember. She was about say say thirteen ish at the time, and um, and she doesn't doesn't and didn't cry at, at films, and mm. that was the first one we'd gone to see, and she mm. I I sort of di- didn't really take much notice of her because I was involved in the film and 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 then she suddenly nudged me and went have you have you got a, t- a tissue <laughs> and, oh. and this film yeah really got to her <clears throat> and um and again the power of a dog but as you say you're thinking about your own dog and I think one of the mm. um one of the um so one of the reviewers said about it this film will make you go home and promise never to leave your dog again you know exactly. it had that effect didn't it <laughs> Well, I think one reason that film is so tugs at the heartstrings too is that you're with the dogs a lot. You yes. know, you're, we see you, we're sort of, yeah, experiencing what the dogs are experiencing more than what the people are experiencing. You know, the people go away and you're, we're stuck in the snow with those dogs. Yes. And I think you get attached to it and you sort of see what they're going through. And oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I would uh, agree with your daughter there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This, I have to say, to be, to be absolutely honest, we have not rewatched Eight Below, and we haven't, no. we haven't rewatched Marley and Me because it was so. It can be traumatic. Yes, yes. I was going to say it's not not almost yeah. not too strong to say traumatic because, and I think part of it is you're crying for Marley, but as you say, you're crying for your dog because you know one day that day's coming for you and your dog. So there yeah. is a little bit of that. Or your former dog, yes. or the first dog you had as a kid, and oh gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but uh, so so tell me about Asta. From bringing up oh. baby, so Asta was a very famous dog. Um, was born um, as Skippy, and starred in the Thin Man series of films. Um, but I really loved its performance in bringing up baby um, with Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. I mean, some big co-stars mm. there. You know, no pressure, Asta. <laughs> um, but and. Also, to mention, you know, there's a leopard in this yes, film, if people yes, haven't seen it. So, you know, probably wouldn't get away with health and safety today, <laughs> having the dog near the leopard. But, hey, it worked, you know, back back in the day. Um, and there was just, the- You know, Asta's a, a great little dog. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, holds its own uh, with... Um, playing George, obviously. So this is a, a wire fox terrier, mm. I should mention, that Skippy was. Um, and he, you know, was trained from the age of six months. So he was a really sort of a, a very famous Hollywood dog and was earning, you know, more than most actors were. So really a star dog. Um, and I just love him in Bringing Up Baby. But like I said, he's also in the, the series of The Thin Man film so if you're a fan of Asta you can you know there's plenty to watch there yeah I mean as, as you were saying that I was thinking of course nowadays it would all be CGI wouldn't it it wouldn't be a real leopard it wouldn't be anywhere yeah, near the exactly. set, but, yeah but then it was a real leopard <laughs> it was a real leopard and they got along okay mm. you know yeah <laughs> wow yeah so coming more yeah. more sort of more recent um, mm. there's Puffy from something about Mary oh yes don't we love Puffy? Yes. Uh, I mean, just one of the iconic images of that film. In fact, they I think when they were promoting the film, they sent um, journalists little um, stuffed dogs in a cast um, to sort of remind everybody of Puffy. Oh. Um, so Puffy is a border terrier. Um, it was played by several dogs, I think, mm-hmm. but... Um, Actually, a dog named Slammer played most of the role, but there were maybe a few sort of stand-in dogs. And, of course, you know, Puffy's so good in this very memorable scene where he sort of flies out the window 
Of course, he didn't really fly out a window, so don't everybody get upset. <laughs> um, and even the the cast he's in is is made of sort of linen, and it was quite comfortable for oh. him to wear. And of course, um, he's also got this great kiss kissing scene with Magda, um, the neighbor. And oh my goodness, yeah, they <laughs> put, I think they put some dog food near her mouth. The actress and like. The dog wouldn't stop kissing her. So even when they called cut, the dog still loves that kiss. Oh, bless. Um, so yeah, I, I love Puffy. He's so sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what other kind of tricks have been used in movies to get the the behaviour that they wanted from the dog? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, most of it is treat based. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think that'll shock anybody. Um, I mean, one sort of inventive thing I heard about, I think it was on the set of the Marmaduke film, which most people probably think is just CGI and all done by computers. But no, that was like 70% real dogs. Oh, wow. So yeah. um, one thing they did is put some meat on a pair of sunglasses hmm. and then have the actor, you know, wear those or somebody by the camera so that you get the right sight line yeah. from the dog. The dog wants to look at that meat, don't they? <laughs> yes. Um, so that was one, um, you know, it's a lot of like, I think in, it's a lot of the it, it food and smells, um, you know, for mm. Annie, the classic from the 80s. Yes. Um, Eileen Quinn uh, smeared apple on her face so that them. Sandy would lick her. Yeah. So that's quite cute. And it's also, you know, I think hiding toys, you know, Cujo looking so menacing, trying to break into that car. It's because they had one of those dogs' favorite toys uh-huh. sitting in the car. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about toys and food and, you know, getting dogs to look the right way at the right time, mostly. Yeah. And, you know, Air Bud, Buddy. Yeah. <clears throat> that dog could play sports. You know, his his owner taught, found him, abandoned this dog, taught him how to play basketball, and then they use that in the film. Um, mm. But, you know, it should be, if you think maybe your dog can play basketball, there are some tricks. Like, they deflated the basketballs a little mm. bit, so they were, you know, less firm, and they put olive oil on them. So and that made it easier to put in its mouth. Wow. So there, there's tricks, you know, there's a little Hollywood magic going on. It's yes. not always what it seems but yeah i think food treats smells toys mm. can be really good motivators yeah yeah i mean you you, well, you you use the word magic there sort of hollywood magic but i guess you know a fair proportion of that magic is supplied by the dogs that you know they make us feel in ways yeah. we don't feel about humans so some of that magic does come from the dogs doesn't it yeah of course and that you know it, as much as that it's like they put a treat over here and it walked over there I, you know, I think dogs have emotions and, you know, I think we know when our our own dogs are sad or happy or scared or content or, you know, having a good dream or a bad dream or, you know, I think dogs have emotions and Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you're capturing that in the movies and I think, yeah, sometimes it is just like a dog looking at a treat, but I think sometimes you can see a dog that's looking very happy on screen or that's looking very sad and, um, you know, dogs like Benji. I think if you go back and look at that dog's little little face, I, I think some of them are really emoting, you know, and I think some people might think I'm crazy for saying that, <laughs> but I think it's not all only us just projecting. I think some dogs, you can see some emotion in them or some curiosity or, you know, yeah. Ooh, what's that over there? And I, I, yeah, I think we can sometimes see emotion real emotion captured on screen yeah with some of these dogs and that's i think the best yes sometimes they're looking at a treat that's okay too because we can kind of you know put our own emotion on them but mm. i i do think yeah some of these dogs i think yeah the the filmmakers are sort of capturing what's really going on with them yeah yeah and well, you should you should know you're you're the person who's done all the research well so, i've watched a lot of these dogs yes Yes. So after watching all of those and writing about them and talking to people, mm. do you have a favourite? Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's tough. I have a few favourites. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think, you know, we talked about my dog, Skip. That one means a lot to me. I love terriers. And I just thought 
such a sweet film and it sort of gets me every time about this this boy's love for his dog and then you know what happens when the boy grows up mm. um so i find that incredibly moving um i also you know mentioned this film beginners with um ewan mcgregor and i think like i said the trainer could leave the room and you still got this sense of a bond between you and and the dog and i think that's quite rare to sort of see that on screen and that again was also sort of a feeling of like how a dog is really in our lives like the the this is Ewan McGregor plays the son of a a man who's sick and has to give him his dog and Ewan doesn't really care about the dog at first mm. and then the dog absolutely becomes part of his life and he's there for all these milestones he's you know your dog is there when you're yes going on your second date or or whatever it is and it's i like the sort of reality of that um and of course i love uggy and the artist we all yes. do um just really brings that film alive for me and that's another one you cannot picture i mean what what's the point of that film if you don't have uggy yes. in it? Yeah. um no offense to jean Dujardin, <laughs> but um i does such a scene stealer and that i love also because you know, they cast the dog and they, you know, had certain things in mind for it to do. But then they also sort of listened to the trainer and they learned what all the tricks Uggy could do and things that motivated Uggy. And they kind of rewrote the script to include more Uggy oh. to make it more of to showcase what that dog could already yes. do. Rather than like forcing it to learn something in a script, they sort of took the best of that dog and put it on screen. And I think that's a really nice thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. That's exactly, you know, what you would like, isn't it? That you, you have this expectation, but if the dog, you know, you work to the dog's strengths. So, yeah, mm, absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so many great ones, though. So yes. There's I think, a lot of good watching out there. Yeah, it's it's cruel to ask you to pick a favourite, but I wanted to ask you anyway. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Yes. Depends yeah. on the day, I think. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, this book is is a real celebration of of dogs mm. i mean dogs in movies but yes. it's a celebration of dogs isn't it yes and everything they do for us I, all the, you know the roles they play for us yeah i mean that's what i wanted i knew selfishly i knew i would have the best time writing this book you know i got to watch dog movies for a year yes. like what a treat um and just sort of learn more about dogs learn more about the breeds learn more about the new the the dogs that actually played these parts how they were trained. I mean, I just, it was fascinating to me. Um, and yeah, I hope it's a celebration of dogs. Um, we should mention, you know, it's not just kids films in this book, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cujo's in there. That's not a film for kids unless <laughs> you're really don't like your kids. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, it was still like, you know, that's a great role for a dog. So I wanted to include that. Yes. Um, so yeah, a celebration of all kinds of dogs. You know, there's a few breeds that, I, you know, my mother-in-law used to have a whippet, and she's a little bit sad there's no whippet in the book, but I couldn't find a great one on screen. Um, so, yeah, but I would try to have a mix of breeds. Yeah, celebrate all kinds of dogs, yes. you know, pampered yeah. ones, rescue dogs, big dogs, little dogs. You know, <laughs> there's several chihuahuas in here that are very good. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was, yeah, the intent was to celebrate these dogs yeah oh, it, lovely lovely you you achieved it now it's 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 actually published as we're sitting here now in january it's actually published next month february 2020 yes. isn't it? it comes up yeah yeah yes. so february 10th yeah yep excellent excellent so where's the best place for people to find out more about it online that is a good question it's okay. um available at amazon to pre-order mm-hmm. um just type in citizen canine it should pop right up um if you're really interested in dog movies i my personal website is filmwendy.com and i've actually got on my website a a list of about 400 or so films with dogs in them um and i put that up just because you know i I was researching all the the ideas and i was like i shouldn't just have this knowledge to myself if people really like dogs and movies so if you're interested in the book 
and you want movies, then there's a good list for you. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. That, that sounds good. I'll, I'll be checking that I out. I haven't watched all 400, I must say. <laughs> like, I've still got some watching to do there. Yes. Maybe for the sequel. Yeah. Yep. I like that, that you're already planning the sequel. That's good. Um, so, well, thank you ever so much for, for talking to me this morning about you know, dogs in the movies. I love a good good dog film. But, as we said, I do like one where the dog, you know, lives to the end of the film, at least. I do like that. Yes. There is a website, I don't know if you've heard of it, called doesthedogdie.com. Yes. And yeah. it's about all kinds of animals. And if you wanted to sort of check, especially if you've got a sensitive kid or you're sensitive, yes. mm. um, you can go on there, I think, and look at different films and see, you know, is is the parrot going to live to the end or, or whatever it is. Yes. Um, so you can kind of cheat a little bit and see, <laughs> yeah, if the dog lives or dies. Yeah. yeah. See what you can handle. Yes, excellent. Well, you obviously enjoyed it because if you're thinking of another one, you, you you enjoyed the process. Oh yeah, no, gosh, it was so much fun. Um, and like I said, I usually write about more, maybe more serious uh, topics. And gosh, it was it was so much fun. I just loved every minute of getting to rewatch these dog films and then do a little. You know, I like Hollywood history, and it was, it was interesting digging into, especially some of those classic films I didn't know about, and you know how dogs worked in old Hollywood and how. You know, dogs were some of the biggest stars of their day. Dogs, Lassie, Ren Ten Ten, Strongheart. Some of those dogs are, you know, more famous than human actors. So that was really fascinating. And yeah, just what's better than sort of watching dogs, reading about dogs, writing about dogs? It was just the best. Yeah. I can't imagine a better job than writing and talking about dogs either. We have the link where you can find out more about Wendy's book, Citizen Canine, on the Dogcast Radio site. And if you have a favourite dog film, Or if there's a doggy movie you'll never watch again. I'd love to hear about it. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. If your dog is scared of going to the vet, and many are, it's stressful for both you and them. But it doesn't have to carry on being stressful. Karen Riddell has the answers. She's in Australia and I'm in the UK, so there's quite a time difference between us. And it's morning for Karen and it's evening for me, so good morning, Karen. Good morning, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you, I'm good. I'm, I'm getting ready for bed, but apart from that, you, as you know, we've talked about this, I'm a night owl, but unfortunately so are you, but you've had to get up early to talk to me, so thank you. It's okay, I have my coffee, we're all good. <laughs> well, I've got mine, but it's decaf. <laughs> smart move yeah (laughs) so okay so we're going to talk about a problem that affects a lot of dogs and that's being afraid of the vet and it's a horrible Mm -hmm. problem to have and you have personal experience of this don't you so tell me about your dog who who had issues with the vet I do. So we, I have a very, very small chihuahua. His, uh, his name's Nibbler. He's 1.4 kilos. So he, he's just Aww. a little, little tacker. Yeah. And he, yeah, he unfortunately broke his leg and we think he may have just broken it walking along and he's, you know, his foot's got stuck on the, the floor or whatever. He's, he's twisted and snapped it. Um, so, um, he had to go and have surgery on his leg mm. and, um, and base, and then had to have, had to have a plate put in. He had to have bandage changes every day. And uh, it was very, very, very painful for him, yeah. and um, and we just we just didn't really know that his brain was going to respond in the way that it did to that. Uh, and so after that, we the next time we went to the vet, uh, he wouldn't let anyone even put a stethoscope on him. He was screaming, he was oh. climbing up my shoulders, mm. he was shaking. He uh, during one of his bandage changes, he apparently vomited and pooed at the same time. Oh, bless. Um, so just horrendously, horrendously frightened about mm. what was going to happen after that. Uh, so we've we've had to do a lot of, of work to help him actually realise, you know what, the vets are, are trying to help you yes. um, and to make him feel comfortable. And it really highlighted to me um, how much preparation um, you can do so that you're not in the situation that we were in where something bad happens and then the dog is terrified. Yes. Um, and, and you've got to really hard. There's a little bit of preparation make a big difference yes yeah so we're not helpless we can help ourselves and our dogs which is always a good thing to know absolutely yes yeah Yeah. so i mean just the other day nibbler went and had uh, he had to have some um, eye ointment applied and had to have an eye examination had a little Mm. strip put in 
to his eye to make sure that there wasn't an ulcer there and, and thankfully there wasn't um and i just held him and the the vet popped you know we, we popped her we popped, i popped my finger under his chin and he popped his chin on my finger the vet did what needed to be done um and then he got some treats and everybody was happy yes um, and that was unthinkable in just you know a, a few years ago that that's something that we couldn't we uh, couldn't have done yes oh that's wonderful now you as well as being a devoted dog owner you are an animal behavior trainer so you know how to do how to do this how to achieve this so so tell me karen how did you achieve it with nibbler because there's there's the right way to do it and there's a way that we won't talk about but you know yeah it's how you do it well um, so i mean i guess this is the the big thing if you like if you forget everything else the thing that we all think of is choice Mm. and you know yourself if you know that you've got a, a choice in any situation um it's much less stressful so the dentist will say, put your hand up if it's going to hurt, if it hurts, and I'll stop. And mm. so even though you don't really like the dentist, you know that if, if it gets too hard, you can put your hand up and he'll stop and he'll give you a break. Um, so you have that choice. It's not a case of you go to the dentist, that they, they, you know, three nurses jump on top of your chest, hold you down, um, they force your mouth open, and, you know, you can imagine how stressful and, and, and mm. scary that would be. Yes. So, um, so it, it all comes down to choice. And with Nibbler, what we did was um, basically use the idea of, of, of a chin rest or a finger because he's got a little tiny, tiny chin. Um, <laughs> and and so we taught him a duration chin rest. So if I put my finger out and he popped his chin on it, um, then he would get treats, yes. really, really yummy treats. <laughs> and uh, and we did a lot of that and we, we got some duration. So he was quite happy popping his finger on my um, on his, his chin on my finger for, you know, a few minutes. And uh, and then we started to add stuff. So how about you pop your chin on my finger and then I'm just going to move my hand around you in the air and then I'm going to start to touch your body just really gently and then I'm going to be a little bit pokey um, and then we might get somebody else just walk into the room, um, things like that. So we, it's it's really sort of decent counter-conditioning and desensitising him to this idea um, that, that people are going to touch him. And then if he felt worried or he was like, I don't know, who is that? What's happening? He lifted his, his chin off my finger. Then we all stopped and said, how are you feeling? Have a look around. It's all good. And then he'd pop his finger, his chin back on and go, okay, let's keep going with the game. Um, and that's all it is. It's just a game. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, if you approach it in that way, because I remember with, um, with Buddy, with, with my first on my Labrador, we, we did basic training when we'd been to a class and then I got an alley-oop, which is a target stick, basically. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought this was marvellous and I'd seen dogs being taught tricks on the internet with it. And so I got it and I was all enthusiastic. And every time I got the alley-oop out, Buddy would be all, you know, tail wagging and, oh, I'm going to get treats and I'm going to, this is fun. And when I got the training bag on and just, ordin- you know, just for ordinary, if you like, basic training, he was like, oh, here we go. And I was like, but yeah. he's got that from me. That's because I think mm, basic training. So if you, it mm-hmm. is important, the attitude you approach it with, isn't it? It really is. And I think if you think about when if people go to puppy class, so when I was teaching puppy class, you know, I would say to people, what, what's your goals for the class? Not one person said, my goal is to be able to take my dog to the vet and have him happy. <laughs> it's, no. it's not something we think about. So yes. people want their dog, they don't want the dog to jump and they want the dog to walk nice in the lead and to come when they're called. Um, but I think, you know, in this day and age, we can see tigers voluntarily, you know, offering a tail for a blood draw that that we've got we've got the ability and we've got the opportunity to actually make the stuff that our vet that, that, that our dogs are gonna have to go through with the vets pleasant or it's very, very manageable for them. Yes. Um, and so I think it's something we should do. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, as you say, you you've outlined really, really nicely some some things that you can do, train your dog to do. But there's a lot I mean, you can actually take your dog to the vet even when it doesn't need any treatment, can't you? Uh, the vet nurses, let me tell you, vet nurses deserve an award for the amount of work that they do. They, yeah. They're really amazing. And so often if you pop into your vet and say, hey, I'm just trying to work on something, do you mind if there's if you have a spare consult room, do you mind if a nurse just spends 30 seconds walking around or do you mind if the nurse comes in, you know, puts a hand on the table or a hand on her dog and then and, and gives him a treat, um, that they're really happy to do that. Mm. And uh, and so that that's good. And the other thing I guess to remember is that even if you're there, even if you're like, oh, I forgot to do any cooperative care training and I haven't done it and now I have this emergency or this this time where I have to go to the vet and my dog has to be touched and I've not done anything. Um, But you can do some counter-conditioning 
just in sort of 30 seconds or a couple of minutes while you're there. So even if your dog has to have an injection, you might want to be like, can I touch the area of the injection? Here, have a treat. Can I pinch it a bit harder? Here, have a treat. Um, and so just in doing sort of, you know, 20 really quick repetitions, the, the 21st one that where the needle comes, is not that much of a surprise to the dog and they're like yeah where's the treat yes. um so i guess that's something too to be aware of that you can really it doesn't i mean obviously it's nicer if we can do some work beforehand but if you get stuck don't think oh well i'm stuck so now i have to hold the dog down yes. um, yeah um yeah there are things that you can do just in that time while you're there and most vets are pretty happy if you're not taking 20 minutes they're fine if you're just like can i have you know 30 seconds to 60 seconds to just do a few quick repetitions um, they're pretty happy with that. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, you know, what most people sort of think, oh, the vet won't want to do this, but it's in the vet's own interest to have a dog who who isn't terrified of them, isn't it? Absolutely. And they don't, they're so sad that the dogs don't, you know, the dogs are terrified of them because mm. most of them got into to veterinary science because they love animals. Yes. And, and so they want the dogs to come in and go, hi, friend. And, and you know, be, be and it's easier for them to treat them as well. Um, yes. And obviously, if your dog is sick, the less stressed they are, um, the easier it is for the dog to get better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even crate training. I had a friend who um, was was not really happy about crate training. And I kind of bullied her into doing a little <laughs> bit of just getting her dog comfortable in a crate. I was like, you have to do this. Yes. Uh, and we have paralysis ticks in Australia. I don't know if you have them hmm. now. No, no, I haven't heard of no. I hope we don't. They sound horrible. Yeah. Mm. Um, they're, they're really dangerous for dogs and, mm. and we use preventatives, but, but there, are, there are a number of dogs that, that's, that pass away through from paralysis ticks and they, they have an, mm. an, an anti-venom, um, which the dog is it does better if the dog is quiet. And she, she went to visit her dog after she got a tick and she said there her dog was lying in the crate going, yeah, yeah, I'm in a crate, whatever. And she said there was another dog next to her dog um, just really losing its mind and really oh. upset and bouncing at the door and, and she rang me and she was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, you know, thinking about those things that how, how what kind of things are going to happen and how can we make the dogs comfortable with those those things yeah yeah I mean the crate training though I, I can remember when I first heard about crates I was kind of like I'm not putting my dog in a cage <laughs> you know and I can remember yeah. thinking that and then learning about them going oh well I'm, I might try one and then again it's the attitude our dogs have always loved their crates and and they will get in them because we've done it with the treat method you know and we they they, yeah. they associate it with treats i mean the dog we have now mischief cannot wait to get into her crate at night or anytime she's like um any chance of a treat and all our dogs have done that they jump in the crate and look at you like well i've got in the crate am i getting a treat you know and <laughs> they love it don't they if you do it right they really do yep yep and it, it can provide a safe place well now you don't have to lock them in there um, it, it can just be, it's like their little bedroom that they can go to when they, when they want to. And I think it just gives them the opportunity to understand that, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to be, you know, to be in a crate in that situation. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, particularly with a puppy, I found it, it saved my sanity and saved my mm. dog's life. Let's say, you know, you know, when you get to that point, you yes. go, oh my goodness, this, this puppy's driving me mad. And if to have uh -huh. a little place again, and it's never get in your crate, it's always, oh, you're a good dog. Here's a treat. It, you know, go in the crate. And they choose to go in the crate and have the treat. And then you can think, oh my goodness, I can just have two minutes now where I'm not, you know, stressed. Yeah. Absolutely. A frozen Kong in a crate yes. provides sanity for a puppy owner. <laughs> it's, it, it really does. Yes. And I, and I think that's one of the things that, that's really nice to tell people when they're at their wit's end. It's like you do know that you can create a safe place for them and give them something fantastic and have 15 minutes to yourself. Yes. And um, and, and also while they're doing that, they're not you know, they're chewing on a Kong or, a, or something that you've given them in their in their safe space. They're not chewing on your shoes. They're not <laughs> chewing on the lounge. <laughs> yep. You know, they're, they're, they're learning appropriate chew habits. They're taking a break. You're having a break. It's just, it's win-win, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we had um, our little Bichon Freeze star uh, uh, ruptured her cruciate lig ligament. And yeah. so she had um, TPLO surgery. And, um, and I never remember what, it's to be a plain something surgery. Anyway, surgery to yes. her leg. And, um, and she had to have eight weeks crate rest. And yep. so, you know, we made the crate a nice place and, you know, she had lots of um, distraction toys. And when we could watch her, when we could actually commit to, okay, I am watching this dog every second she's out of the crate. She came out of the uh -huh. crate and she sat with us. But when when there were times when I knew I couldn't 
100% sat watching her, she was in the crate. And it was a, you know, it was plenty of room in there. And as I say, it was a nice environment. When we got to the end yes. of the eight, yeah, when we got to the end of the eight weeks and she could come out, and I actually did think, okay, I'm not going to be able to just take the crate away. I'm just going to mm-hmm. open the door and then she can choose. And bless her a lot of the time. Every time she wanted to sleep, definitely, she went back yep. into the crate. She, you know, she didn't Aww. dislike it. Yes. <laughs> no, no, that's because think about, I, I guess it's a place where you're not going to get disturbed. It's, if you're a small dog, you're not going to get accidentally trodden on or yes. a ball, you know, kicked you away or anything yeah. like that. Um, yeah, and good stuff always happens. Yes, absolutely. So again, we're back to that. Um, it's you know, she was choosing to go back in, and as you say, good things happened. Um, yeah. Now we've we've said you you are a trainer, so again, you know the science behind it. You know the right way to approach a dog and the right way to to you know do this cooperative um, training to get the dog to do what you want it to do, but to choose yeah. to do that. So that's that's great. And you actually um, you do work at a shelter, don't you? Yeah, so I'm really lucky to actually be able to, to work at a shelter. I've worked at a couple of different shelters um, in Sydney, so it means that I get to uh, to spend time with lots and lots and lots of different dogs um, and lots of people, which is great. Mm-hmm. And to help those people. Yeah, so you know, we have an opportunity the... um, with, I guess, with um, with our staff um, and also with uh, the vet students that come to our vet clinics and things like that to actually spend some time um, talking to them about dog body language so that they can recognise when a dog's starting to get worried yes. about what you're about to do with it um, and also to talk about cooperative care so that they can um, take the time, as I said, they can take the time in a consult when they become fully-fledged vets <laughs> to yes. be able to then say, hang on a second, let's just quickly do this and um, and then to also um, be able to tell their, their owners there's something you can do. You're not a slave to the fact that the vets has to be a horrible place. Yes. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be the boss. You don't have to hold the dog down. You don't have to do these things, um, which will, in effect, just make it worse. And and we know that because, if you ima- again, if you imagine yourself at the dentist with, you know, three people holding you down, mm. um, once you get out, you're never going again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if um, I can, when, as soon as they let me up, I'm going, you know, I've got it in for them. It's, exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it's and it's quite interesting um, when we take people through it because, as you say, as a trainer, um, I can say to you, yeah, sure, I just got some duration on a chin rest. It was fine. And it sound, people, it can sound like well, that might be quite difficult. But actually, I, and we, we get the vet students to do it. Um, we get our staff to do it and we'll just get them to pop out their hand. Or sometimes if the dog has been taught to shake, if you pop your hand out, you just keep getting a foot whack. Um, <laughs> so we'll just make a little fist and, and you can sometimes, you know, you can just pop that fist. And, and what will happen is, is they're quite curious dogs. So even if you just kind of pop your kind of your fist near them, um, they tend to sort of dob it with their face. And then you can be like, what a good choice. Have a treat. Yes. Um, and then you just ask for a little bit more. And pretty soon they're actually sort of, you know, putting their head onto your onto your hand or onto your, your you know onto your the fist, whatever way you're doing it. Um, and so I think it's quite surprising often that it's not as challenging um, as it might seem when you think about it. Mm. You know, that you just give it a go. Um, and we were one of the students was saying, but I, I don't understand how how do you get them to stay there? And I'm like, just take a breath and then give her a treat. Mm. And she was like, oh wow, and she got really excited. <laughs> um, and then she kept she kept walking up and going, look, I can get look, I can do this. Um, and then we spoke about choice. So when the you know, when the dog lifts its head up, that you know, it's okay for it to take a break because it lifts its head up doesn't mean that it's done and we're not doing any more. Because they'll lift their head up, they're like, What are you doing? They're checking out what's happening. Mm. And then when they feel safe again, they're like, Oh yeah, we were playing a game. Hang on a second and I'll put their the, the head back down. Yes. Yeah. So Wonderful. The it's vets enjoy it. Yeah, I bet. The thing is though, until somebody's planted that idea, until somebody's opened your eyes and said, look, you can do things this way, you don't know. And then when somebody tells you, and, you, and particularly when you see it in action, it's like magic. Watching a good trainer is just magic. Um, but until you've had your eyes open to it, until you've had it mentioned to you, you don't know it. So, I mean, work like that that you do is amazing. It's so, so good for people and so good for dogs, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. And I think we're in a, in a great position that we're able to change how some of our dogs feel about because we have a vet clinic um, where, where, where I am now. We have a vet clinic on site. So we're able to change how dogs feel about vets um, just because of the stuff that they have to go through um, before they're being adopted. And so that's a great thing. So when we get them to their owners, they've already had some really good experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's lovely. And I, I mean, I guess, too, the secret is not to be overwhelmed by it because essentially 
training is game playing. That's all it is. And so if you just remember playing a game when you were 10, yes. it's pretty much like that. It's really just you being a kid and playing a game, making up a game. When it gets too easy, you change the rules and you make it a little bit more difficult. And then it gets too easy and you change the rules and you make it a bit more difficult. And we've all done that as children when we made games up with our friends. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And as as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, now we all play games on our phones, don't we? And and they get us because they incentivize it. It makes us feel good. Absolutely. And if, yeah, yeah. If we can do that with take that attitude to the training, you know, we're going to do make our dogs feel good about it, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. And it's exactly that's why you're playing the next level on your game yes. because they made it just that little bit harder. And you you, you might have had to have two or three goes. <laughs> yeah. But you know you can get through because you've got you had lots of successful repetitions on earlier levels. Yeah, yeah. And and really, that's all we're doing with the dogs. Yeah. I, and I think as well, as as an owner, I'm, I'm not a trainer, but as an owner, you know, I've, I've been in that situation where I've been working with a trainer, with, with particularly with Buddy. And, he, you know, I, I, I couldn't get him to do something, whatever it was. And I'd get really frustrated. And I remember with the, the lady that I was, Carol, that I was doing, um, mm-hmm. he all worked her music with. And we, we, she said, um, let's try a ball instead of a treat. So I picked the tennis ball up. And he whirled round and round and round. Now, to me, I, yeah, but to me, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a disaster. And she went, that was really interesting. Let's do that again. You know, and yeah. to, to her, it was the experiment. And let's see what reactions we can get. But to me, I, you know, I had a quite a, a tight um, aim in mind. And I was like, this is what I need him to do. And she was more sort of, let's see what, what response he gives. And let's, you know, as you say, reward what we like. Just move on from what we don't, yeah. you know, and, and it's. And, and it really opened my mind to, to more to think, let's see what he gives me. You That's know, it. And yeah. I think behavior is information. So I think when we get it, when we stop, when we stop classifying it as good behavior or bad behavior, yeah. and we just say behavior is information, um, then that takes some of that emotion out of it. So it makes it less frustrating. Yes. Um, because I'm not thinking, oh, that's bad. I'm just like, oh, look, when I get home, the dog's really overexcited, um, and she's. You know, she's barking a lot and so that's that's not bad behaviour. That's just her response to me getting home and so that's information and I might want to change that. Mm. Um, but it's not it's not sort of um, yeah, it's not it's not bad and I think you're I think you're right. If you just think about it as a game and you think about it yeah. as what what is the dog offering you and how can we play with that, um, then it makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well it's sort of it's just having a little bit of thought. Um, and thinking it through and, and ahead of time that, you uh-huh. know, because life is busy and, we, you know, you, you, we're working or we're picking the kids up or we're watching the telly or whatever. We're busy and you make yes. time for a training class, perhaps you make time for the dog walk. And then the rest of the time, uh, you know, I'm not particularly yeah. training, but we are for the dog from the dog's point of view. We are. And we really need to think about what we're doing all the time, don't we? That's right. And and that's the key is really thinking ahead, mm-hmm. especially if you have a dog that's a little bit anxious. Sometimes um, when uh, we'll have people who don't, who sort of don't want to go to the vet because they know that the dog's going to be difficult. And we're like, well, you know, you can, you can call ahead and you can let them know that you're, you'll be waiting in the car until they're ready or they might have a consult room that they can pop you in and you can call them and ask them to move people from the waiting room so that you can walk through. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of things that you can do. Like they're very accommodating because obviously the, the more triggered that a dog is by the time it gets out of the car and barks at a dog that it sees in the car park and then barks at three dogs in the waiting room and then it gets into the vets, it's actually more likely to have a bad experience and bite mm. the vet because it's really, really stressed. So the vets actually would like to keep the the dog more calm and, and they're willing to do things if you th- if you think ahead. Yes. Um, and so that's something you can do as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, I mean, the, 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 the message really is – if your dog's afraid of the vet already, it's not too late. You can solve it. You can help the dog. And if, if you're in a good place already, you can, you know, prepare should your dog need treatment. And, you know, sometimes they do. Um, you can yeah. prepare, can't you? Absolutely. And I think that, that that's the key is it doesn't matter how frightened your dog is. And it's okay if you need to desensitize your dog, you know, and make your dog think that wearing a muzzle is fun um, just to make sure that you feel safe and your vet feels safe. That's okay too. That can be part of the cooperative care. Um, but certainly it doesn't, I mean, we can, we can counter condition one way and the other. Um, and that is something that happens sometimes is that, that people will go, here, I have some chicken or have some peanut butter while I clip your nails. And then while the dog's looking at the, the, the peanut butter, they clip the nails. And then the dog starts to go, uh-oh, every time she gets that peanut butter out, I'm going to get my nails clipped. 
Um, so sometimes we can do it sort of the, the wrong way. Mm. But the beauty of that is that you can you can change it. So it doesn't we can we can make a good thing bad and we can make a bad thing good just by playing games with them and, and pairing that food reward and the, the time that we do it. So even with Nibbler who would not let anybody even put a stethoscope against his side um, and would have this big flight response and be like clawing up my shoulder. Um, you know, he's, he's now happy to go in and, and able to sit still while they do whatever they need to do because he knows he's going to get chicken and if he wants to stop, he can. Um, so, yeah, so there's definitely stuff that you can do and I think that the we're so, so lucky to be at a time where we actually know this now and yes. that we can make things better for the dogs that we love. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we just we just need to... I guess read up and arm ourselves with knowledge, uh-huh. you know, and look online and make sure it's a good site online. Don't, you know, because there is advice out there that I would say is, you know, don't touch with a barge pole kind of thing, but make sure it's, it's going to be kind to the dog. Yeah. And I think, you know, we know that they're in MRIs done now that show us that dogs have the brain of a two to three year old child. And so I think you know, it's, it's a worthwhile thing to think if, I, if I'm not willing to do, if, if there's a website suggesting I do something that I would not do to a two or three year old child because that would be abuse, um, then I probably shouldn't do it to a dog either. Yeah. Um, and the more, the more interesting thing is you don't have to. You, mm. don't, you don't, I mean, that's, that's the wonderful thing is that, that in just being kind and caring about how they feel and, and giving them choices and thinking ahead, and setting it up so that that the environment that they can make the environment do things. I mean, my dogs think it's amazing. They're like, look at this fool! I just do this and she feeds me. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, so um, that that it's it's not not you know that we're really lucky. So you know, if you're finding that there's something that you think, oh, I wouldn't do that to a child, yeah. um, then probably don't do it to your dog. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's true of trainers, groomers, any professional you come into contact with with your dog and you know, a, a vet, if you're really, really not happy at the vet, and if the vet isn't willing to work with you, and most of them will be, they will be, won't they? Yes. But if yes. if they're not, then go to one that you, you feel more comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. You have choice as well. Yes. So, and I, you know, I think sometimes we, you know, obviously we respect um, a professionals in any, in any mm. capacity. Yes. Um, but, but you also, you're also the customer and you also have choice. And so if you feel um, that you're being given information that's not, that, that does, that doesn't sound kind, um, then it's okay to look for another vet um, and, and ring around and find one who will, who will help. Um, and, and most of the time they will and speak to the vet nurses because they're often a really good, um, a really good source of, of you know, um, maybe there's a, a vet that has a particular interest in behaviour and so that might be a better vet to see um, in that clinic just because they, they care more about behaviour. But it's it's a, we, you have a choice and we want to make sure that our dogs have a choice. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, Karen, that's been fascinating. Is there anything else that you would like to say that we haven't had time yet, either about fear of the vet or training in general? Or well, I think, I guess I've been a little bit disappointed that we're seeing um, sort of that that more punishment based training sort of coming back, yes. yeah. Um, and you know that, that as somebody who who started training in sort of the mid eighties, doing all of this stuff and stopped doing it because we 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 had better options that were that, that were scientifically proven to work better. Or to, and then I guess I I would hope that we can I can encourage people to really look. Uh, for for kind, look for choice, look, care about how your dog feels throughout the training process and also not to take it so seriously. It is just a game and, <laughs> yes. and I always joke that, you know, if anyone knew that I got paid for acting like a 10-year-old, um, <laughs> <laughs> that it's, that's all it is. It's just game playing and uh, and kids are really good at training because it's game playing and that's why yes. they're so good with it when you bring them to, you know, if you, have, if you have a child in a class. So, you know, take a breath, be kind to your dog, be kind to yourself um, and, and have fun with your dog and know that there's there's so much you can do to make your dog think that the world, the vets, um, and it is a great place um, and, and you just need to think about it a little bit. If your dog is afraid of the vet, I hope that's inspired you to do some training to help them feel happier. Because happy is what it's all about, isn't it? Our dogs make us happy. So let's try and interact with them in ways which make them happy. We should always aim to be the person our dogs think we are. 2020 is well and truly underway. I hope it's going well for you and your dog. 
I don't make New Year's resolutions, but one of my hopes for this year is to have a dog of my own. I will always miss and think about my beloved Buddy, and I'm so thankful that as I've mourned Buddy, Jenny's dog Mischief has been in the house. But I'm ready. Honestly, I'm yearning for a dog of my own again. If you've loved and lost a dog, how long was it before you got another one? You never replace a dog, but there does come a time when you want the same joy and closeness you had with the last dog. How long was that time for you? A week? A month? A year? Or did you never feel ready to risk your heart again? It's a personal matter, and there is no wrong or right answer. But I'll keep you informed about my progress. And until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio. Available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T Radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word: Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Why was the dog such a good storyteller? He knew how to pause for dramatic effect.